0: Hey everybody, welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 187, and I'm talking with Aaliyah Gray. Hey, if you aren't already fueling with Generation UCAN, why aren't you? Generation UCAN is the fuel source of choice that I use when I'm in marathon training. I love their energy performance and how that makes my body feel before a long run. They also have really great anytime bars, and they have hydration packs. The You can Hydrate products are really good as well. You guys can save 15% off your order if you go to generationyoucan.com slash another and use the code ANOTHER19. All right, I'm so excited to chat with Aaliyah Gray today. Her teammate, Noah Drotty, suggested that I have her on the show way back in the day when he was on the podcast. He was episode 107, so make sure you go check that out if you haven't already done so. Aaliyah runs with the Roots Running Distance Project in Boulder, Colorado. She has a marathon PR of 234, a half marathon PR of 72 minutes, and she placed 10th. In the Olympic trials for the marathon in 2016 on that really hot day. Uh, She also PR'd that day, which was a really big deal. Aaliyah is also a freelance writer. In this episode, we talk a lot about what it's like to be a professional distance runner and to not have a main big sponsor. And she works. She works as a freelance writer on top of competing at a very high level. So we get into all that talk and we get to just learn about her life and how she got it started with running. I love hearing those stories. And if she's not a name that you know, you know now. And you should be following her and watching her. I encouraged her to step up her Instagram game. Aaliyah, step it up. Um, here we are. Let's see. You can find her on Instagram. She is just Aaliyah Gray. A-L-I-A Gray. G-R-A-Y. And then you can also follow the Roots Running Uh, project over on Instagram as well roots underscore running before we get started talking with Aaliyah first of all if you haven't left a rating and review or subscribed to the show head over to iTunes or wherever you listen and I would appreciate it if you would do that apparently subscribing to the show is actually what's best for the show so uh, reviews are really great as well though so if you haven't done that and that's something that's been on your agenda hit pause and head over and do that real quick But I want to tell you there is a opportunity to get involved in the fight against breast cancer coming up this fall across seven cities, including Detroit, Twin Cities, New England, Seattle, Philadelphia, San Diego, and Dallas. You can join the fight against breast cancer. This is a three day event. You walk 60 inspiring miles in three days. So grab your friends and go be a part of this breast cancer. Research and support is very important in my own life. I'm positive for the BRCA2 gene mutation, so this is something um, I put a lot of focus on in my own life, and I hope that you will consider getting involved in the three-day. You can go to the3day.org, check it out, get this on your agenda. I know you all like to run, but doesn't walking 60 miles in three days sound exciting as well? Actually, this could be something really fun to do with those in your life who may not be runners but want to get involved in a really good awesome mission. So go to the3day.org. And that's the number three. All right, friends, I hope you enjoy in this conversation, getting to know Aaliyah a little bit better. I know I really enjoyed getting to know her. So enjoy this conversation with Aaliyah Gray. Well, today on the podcast, we have Aaliyah Gray. Welcome to I'll have another Aaliyah. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really excited to have you on the show. You were first recommended to me, must have been like two years ago when I had your teammate Noah Drotty on. (laughs)
1: <laughs> he's a great guy. He's like a brother to me at this point.
0: That's, I feel like he said the exact same thing about you even two years ago. I don't remember exactly when I had him on, but, um, I pulled this question, which I haven't asked this to guests in quite a while. So maybe I'll bring it back at the end of the episode. You can, you can think on it while we talk. But I said, I asked him what his favorite podcasts were. And then I said, if you could listen to anybody on this podcast, who would you want to hear? And he said his teammate, Elia Gray.
1: Oh, he's a good dude. <laughs> I appreciate him.
0: Yeah. So Aliyah let's like get to know you. Tell everybody a little bit about your story. I know you came to running. It's funny. We say you came to running a little bit later in life, though you were still in high school. But just when we talk to professional runners, uh, usually they've been running since they were like, you know, seven. So kind of give everybody the backstory of how your running story began.
1: Yeah. So I think I've always been a pretty active kid. I, you know, I did like several different styles of dance growing up. um, But really, I got into soccer in like middle school and was decently competitive in early high school. And um, I played midfield, which is pretty indicative of being good at distance running later on from a lot of distance runners I've talked to. But I ended up tearing my knee, my ACL and my meniscus in my knee during an off season my freshman year. Um, and during the rehab, coming back from that surgery, I actually started running with some cross-country kids on the team and just honestly ended up liking the social group and kind of joined the cross-country team because I wanted to be friends with them. Uh, and it's, yeah, I've kind of left soccer behind from there, just really fell in love with the sport and the people.
0: How pumped was the cross country coach that you joined the team? <laughs> I
1: I think it was, it just was kind of a surprise. Like I, I came in so green and not knowing anything about running, but just fell in love with it really hard and fast and, um, made varsity that first year, which was exciting. And it was exciting because we had a couple really good prep runners in our area too, who were being recruited by like big D one schools. Um, So, yeah, I had some great people to run with, and I was also in a really beautiful area of Northern California. So just looking back, I got really spoiled, and my introduction into running was kind of seamless. Like,
0: once I was given the bait,
1: I was totally hooked.
0: It makes me think about a really – like, if you had a really – Competitive high school cross country coach, like whatever school we're talking about here, um, do those cross country coaches look at the soccer players and think, "Oh man, I wish she would run for my team."
1: <laughs> oh, you have no idea. My so my high school coaches actually confessed that they used to go to some soccer games and like watch the strides of different people oh <laughs> on the fields. Well, because there are a lot of a lot of kids who play soccer and who are decent at soccer, but who could be mm-hmm. like great at running and who have probably potential to go further and be able to do more in the sport with running. So um, I know that they were able to convert a couple people or have some soccer players come out and just like say, Hey, in your off season, you should run track, you know, since soccer was in the fall. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a close connection between the athleticism required for the two of those, I think.
0: Yeah. And then we'll lure you in to cross country. We'll get you running the two mile and high school track. Yep. And then we'll lure yep. you into cross country. I um, still
1: joke. I still joke that it's the pasta feeds that got me hooked on <laughs> cross country because I wanted to go hang out with my like new friends. Seriously,
0: um, those pasta dinners, like the night before me, those are like some of my best high school memories. Totally. Totally. Uh, So you, you've talked about, your coaches in the past was it your high school cross country coach that um, really helped shape you? Tell us about your your coaches because you th- you then went to run for Chico State.
1: Yeah, so I again just looking back, I feel like I got I was so fortunate with the people I worked with early on. Um, Leanne Fogg was my teammate in high school, and at the time she was pretty heavily recruited. She had run below eleven minutes in the two mile and she had broken five in the mile, which was a really big deal. Um and oh, her yeah, for I, high
0: school, wow.
1: Totally. Um, and her I used to play soccer with her on a competitive team. Um, and her dad, Greg Fogg, who is actually the assistant coach, was really instrumental in encouraging me to go out and to continue with the sport. And then even um kind of instructed me on how to even begin thinking about running in college and how to talk to college coaches. Um, so he was really huge. And then my actual high school coach, Danny Aldridge was a really good runner for Cal Poly in his day. He is, he was one of the guys who had broken four minutes in the mile. Not that it's, it's still a really big deal, but even earlier on when it was a huge deal. Um, and he did that a handful of times. So I just got super fortunate with some great people in my corner early on who were both really knowledgeable and just fun and energetic and knew how to connect with kids.
0: Okay, so Chico State, that's D two, right? Yep. And they're in Northern
1: California. Again, I feel like I like really lucked out with the program. Just connected with the coach Gary. I when I was talking to college coaches, I didn't have any track times. So a no, lot of college none at all. No no track times at all. So college coaches didn't really know like where to place me. They kind of had to go off the word of my high school coaches that they felt like I had potential, um, and that I was a really young runner still. And I just remember Gary took so much time with me on the phone and really diligently answered a lot of questions. And then when I went to visit the team, I kind of just fell in love with the team in the area and I could totally see the family that they had created within the program.
0: Okay. So you had no track time. So you join the cross country team, your junior or senior year of high school? So I
1: joined cross country my junior year, and then I got injured for track. That okay, junior so then year. you couldn't run yeah. track.
0: And so when you're being recruited, you hadn't ran your senior year of track, is that's, but then you en- you ended up running your senior year, right? Correct. Okay, yeah. got it. Um, so okay, we're talking to someone who placed tenth at the Olympic trials in 2016. That's like the hottest year like ever. Um, so I'm just painting this picture for everybody that we're talking about someone who didn't really start running competitively until junior of high school, ran D2, then to place 10th at the Olympic trials like years later. So how did that college experience kind of cultivate the runner that you are today or help cultivate that?
1: I mean, I credit, I'm obviously biased, but I feel like Gary, Gary town, he's still the coach at Chico state. I feel like he's one of the best out there at being able to develop athletes. um, And really, he was able to approach training with me in a way that just kept me engaged, kept me loving it. I was just chipping away at times each year. Um, I think the biggest thing is just that he instilled this really like deep love of the sport. And when I got by the time I graduated, even though I wasn't Like I wasn't being sought out by brands to be sponsored and no one was begging me to continue running post-collegiately. I just didn't feel like I was done yet. And he also helped coach me that first year out just to, he was really encouraging of like, just keep, find a way to make it work. Like I'll help you through the transition. Um, So yeah, he was obviously super huge too. And I still keep in touch with him. I'll text him after like a workout if I'm really excited about it still.
0: (laughs) I love it. Um, side note, are you still coached
1: by uh Coach V Hill? I am. Okay. So I kind of I kind of say that I have two coaches. Um so Coach V Hill faxes me my training monthly. Um and then my husband, Richard Hansen, actually implements it on site, and he's also the coach of the Roots Running project who I run with. And so since he's kind of the on-site coach, he has a really big hand in my training as well. And there's obviously a lot of stuff that happens at practice and decisions you have to make on the fly sometimes. So he's instrumental in that.
0: Okay. So let's, let's go there, but okay. You graduate college. What year do you graduate college?
1: I graduated in 2012.
0: Okay. 2012. You take some time off, you go backpacking. Is this correct? Yeah. I
1: went to, I went to Europe.
0: Okay. So, I mean, it's just like graduating college is such a weird time in everybody's life. Like I remember graduating college and I've told this story in the podcast before where I've been like, I was like standing in the laundry room of my boyfriend slash fiance at the, I guess he was my fiance right then. Um, I was standing in the laundry room at his apartment complex and he was talking to some girl about like, Oh, her job and everybody's running off to do their professional thing. And I had no idea what I was going to do with my life and nothing was really like panning out. Right. So I was just like, look back at that time as kind of like, for me, at least I felt a little bit lost, like, wow, here's my life now. What am I supposed to do with it? Totally. So, you know? <laughs> so, and and I feel like some people majored in the certain things in college that just put them in a place where they got lined up with a job and they started their career, but I didn't have that experience. So talk to me about when you graduate, you're in this like position where you know you have potential to be a really good runner you take this trip like what's going on in your head in 2012 oh man I mean I was
1: I wouldn't take it back but I was kind of all over the map that first year um and I guess to put it in perspective so I graduated in the spring of 2012 I had kind of a year of a lot of movement around and then I ended up moving out to Colorado after that first year but within that year between graduation and moving to Colorado um I went to Europe to backpack. I came back, went to like several weddings. I was severely out of shape <laughs> um, because it turns out backpacking like by yourself as a young woman, I just there were like places I didn't feel super comfortable running. Um, oh, so you went so by anyways. yourself. Yeah, I went by myself, wow. and I actually ended up meeting, like, a couple people that I knew who happened to be various places, but, yeah, it was a big trip by myself, and How I'm, long were I'm you so there glad for? I did it. I went for five weeks.
0: Okay, wow, okay. I never would be that adventurous. Props to you for doing that.
1: <laughs> I, well, my, I guess what's funny is that I was, like, deeply afraid and really excited at the same time, mm, okay. and I'll never forget my first like my first flight by myself, I think I went, was flying over to Venice and um, I spent the entire flight sitting like clutching my passport and my ticket in my hands just out of pure nerves. But I don't know. I'm the type of person that like once I just decided to throw myself into it, the fear kind of goes away. So what was, was this fear
0: you know? about? Was it being alone? Was it flying? What was it?
1: Um, not knowing a language, like not being able to get to where I needed to go, like missing a connection, like that type of stuff. Okay. I didn't want to get lost, essentially. Um, but yeah, once I kind of got over that initial fear and just learned that, you know, reach out to people when you need help, for the most part, the world is like a really amazing place and people... Usually want to be nice and help you out. Like that was also a really amazing experience.
0: It's so true. I, the older I get, the more I am just not afraid to ask for help at any time. And, and the more kids I have too, I'm just like, you know what? I'm just gonna ask for help because if I need help, like, odds are somebody's gonna step up.
1: Yeah, I never. I guess that trip helped me realize that asking for help is like a skill set as well.
0: Okay, so you come back. You're done with your trip. What's going on?
1: Um. I, so I ended up graduating with a journalism and public relations degree and someone kind of a mentor that I had gotten to know during college actually contacted me and he was like, Hey, I have a friend of mine who works in a PR firm in San Francisco. I really think you should interview with their company. So I interviewed and I got a full-time job in the financial district in San Francisco. Um, And I started that in like November, I want to say. And it was, I'm really glad I went and did it, but I figured out very quickly that it was like not a lifestyle that was going to work with me. I love certain parts about San Francisco, but the type of commuting within the city to work was really tough. I was running in the dark on both sides of the day, both in the morning and at night. Um, It just was a and I think coming from just graduating college and then traveling, it just felt really jarring. Um,
0: were you When you say you were running in the morning and the night, were you like pursuing professional running yet or were you just kind of seeing how fit you could get?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know that I would call it professional running at that <laughs> point, but I, I had started training again. And this was by the time I got back from my trip, my college coach, Gary, had you know, reached out and said, Hey, if you want to try to train, like, I i am happy to help you out. And so Heath always thought I would be great at the longer distances. He's like, I think you should try to train for CIM this December and just get a feel for what the marathon is like, since the furthest you race in college is 10k. Um, just to kind of be able to dip my toes in the water and wrap my head around that distance. And so yeah, I had started to train seriously again. And training for me was going really well. And then I got the job in San Francisco and it was, I was making it work for a little bit, but I figured out really quickly that I was burning the candle from both ends. Um, and I'm a total perfectionist too. And I didn't feel like I was doing training or my work to the best of my ability. And I was, I was doing fine, but I just, that kind of kept eating at me too. I felt like I was doing both mediocre.
0: You start working with this legend of a coach in 2014. So, I mean, even just getting the opportunity to work with him, like how does this all pan out?
1: Oh, a lot of it's like luck and chance. (laughs) Honestly. um, Yeah. So, so I left my job in San Francisco, like about three or four months after I started. Um, just decided to go home to my parents' house in the Bay area for about a month. And then one of my old college teammates who's from Colorado and was living and training out in Colorado, Kara Lubinecki, she called me and was like, Hey, one of my teammates, she knew I'd been thinking about Colorado, but I wasn't quite sure how to make the move work. Um, But she called me one day and was like, Hey, my roommate just bailed on our lease early. So there's an open room here if you want to come out (laughs) and that I was kind of just at a point where I hadn't been enjoying the work I was doing in San Francisco. So I had left, I wasn't super sure what I wanted to do professionally, but I knew that like this love for running was continuing to build and I really wanted to see where it could go. Um, So that was kind of enough to help me make the jump out to move to Boulder, Colorado.
0: And is this when you meet your now husband? Yeah, <laughs> I think there's so I many met... pieces. I, know, to I this know. puzzle.
1: I know. And that first year in particular is just the most crazy whirlwind. Um, so this is, yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. Go ahead. So I
1: moved out and we met and I think we were dating like three or four weeks later. Uh, um, <laughs> I think I told him in my first conversation that I wasn't looking, like I, I didn't move to Colorado to find a boyfriend type <laughs> of a thing. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the way it works from what I understand.
0: <laughs> okay. is How old is he? Is he much older than you? He is 37. Okay. And how old are you? I'm 30. Okay. I only assumed he was older than you for some reason. I have no idea why, but that was just curious and I figured other people might be as well. Um, okay. So tell us about working with him. You call him Richie. Does everybody else call him Dr. Richard Hansen?
1: Yeah, there's kind of, Focus I guess most deets. people, most people call him Richie.
0: Most people yeah. call him Richie. Okay.
1: He's gotten everything from Richie to Dr. Richie to Dr. Hanson. Yeah.
0: Okay. So tell us about, this is all kind of evolving. You move to Colorado, you start working with Coach Hill. you start working with, what should I call him? I feel uncomfortable calling him Richie. Like I've never met the guy.
1: What do I no, no, no. It's Richie's. Ritchie? So, so I actually started <laughs> working with Brad Hudson when I first moved oh, out. That's
0: right. Yeah. So I,
1: and that's the group that Kara was with. So it was like a super comfortable move and Brad welcomed me in with open arms and. Okay. Give us the timeline just, there.
0: When are, cause you know, lots gone, been gone down, lots gone down with, with Brad Hudson and his group in the past year, but, to, so, but give everybody a timeline of when you were working with him.
1: So I moved out to Colorado in June of 2013 and started working with him. Okay. All um, right. So it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. And then I worked with him through, I ran New York in 2014 that fall and I worked and I decided to kind of take a different direction after, Got it. after that marathon block.
0: Yeah. Okay. And then you start working with Coach B Hill.
1: So I had a friend of a friend who was like, Hey, if you're looking for, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I was thinking of self-coaching, um, Richie and I were still dating and we weren't super sure if we wanted to put like that kind of stress on a relatively young relationship.
0: (laughs) Was he coaching other people? Not at this time, no.
1: Um, he, well, he had been coaching, like, uh, he had been coaching high school out here for like five years and I had total faith in him, but I think it was, I think even he was a little bit uneasy about committing to have, to like, actually coaching me. Um, but yeah, so we had a friend of a friend who was like, Hey, I can just reach out, you know, never hurts to ask. And sure enough, I got a call like a day later, uh, from Jovi Hill. And that was kind of a surreal moment for me. Um,
0: yeah. How many people does he coach? Cause I know he, I don't know if he still does, but I know he coached Brenda Martinez forever. And like how many athletes in a, you know, that she's an 800 meter runner. So all the way up to the marathon. Do you know?
1: Um. So I know it's kind of a moving number, okay. but generally I want to say he has between like seven to 10.
0: Yeah. Like that's
1: athletes. not very many people. No. Um. So I feel really lucky. Yeah. It's and a good deal. It's awesome. He, he's been, he's just been super sweet. And I remember I just had felt like I had been coming through kind of a hard time when I first started working with him and, Luckily he was out in Colorado randomly for some convention that he was talking at. And I remember him looking me in the eyes and, and saying like, doesn't matter what happened in the past. We're just going to move forward. And for some reason that felt like so renewing for me and just made me really excited to work with him. Um Yeah. He has obviously so much wisdom and he's basically seen it all. He'll be 90 this November. That's crazy. I know <laughs> he, um, he's uh he's kind of just like a running godfather I feel like
0: yes I mean even just just hearing you say that when he looked you in the eyes and said that I'm like man and I think about the times I've interviewed Dina Castor and like reading her book just like I think reading her book more than anything painted this picture of him that just put him at like icon status for the rest of us, you know, cause you guys have seen a, up close and personal, but to hear you talk about him and to hear someone like Dina talk about him, I'm like, man, he's like the guy, but man, he's almost 90. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. He's pretty, he's just an impressive human. Um, I mean, he's still, he had hip surgery, so he doesn't like run at all, but he still gets out and does his swimming every day.
0: Oh my um, gosh.
1: He, he gets up naturally at four thirty. um, yeah, he's constantly like reading new research articles. I just, he's, like I said, he's an impressive human and someone that's just inspiring to work with.
0: Oh, that's so cool. Okay, so talk about, um, you know, working with him and then also then bringing your, because na- when you and Richie got married, when?
1: So we got married October of 2017.
0: Okay. So, you, he starts coaching you before you get married, though. So, how, did, how does this kind of work? Like, you're getting your plans from Coach V Hill, but your fiance or your boyfriend, whatever he is at the time, is kind of helping you implement those things. What does that look like?
1: Right. So, we started getting instruction from Coach V Hill. Um, and to be honest, the first month was really ugly and it was really, really hard. Um, it was such a shock to the system, just intensely more difficult prescriptions for workouts than I had ever had before. Like
0: volume wise or like how fast he had you going or what? Yeah. The, the
1: speed and intensity, both the speed and intensity and the frequency of workouts. Okay. Okay. Um, so it was, but he kept, he kept preaching to me. He's like, I don't care what you run, you know, like, I'm not going to be mad at you if you don't hit the workouts. I just want you to try, like, just. Tell me, like, if you can come back to me each day and tell me that you tried your best, like, that's all we can ask for. And he kept harping on that there's an adaptation period. And since it is really different, since it was really different from what I had done before, that there was, like, this 28-day adaptation period. And, um, yeah, sure enough, around, like, day 27 was when I finally started to hit, like, get closer to the ballpark of what he had on paper, um, and it's, it's not, it's never been perfect, but I think that helped me buy into the training a lot when I saw like, okay, like I have been throwing myself at this training and we hit the period that he said, you know, the adaptation was going to start to happen and here it is. Um, so that was really gratifying, still really hard training, <laughs> it never gets easy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Give us an example of like when you're in a training block, what, a a week looks like as far as like how many times a week are you doing a speed session? And in a, I mean, are you doing a hundred mile weeks? What do your weeks look like when you're training for a big race? Normally
1: I'm at at around 90 miles a week, unless it's for marathon training, we're trying to move the needle a little bit higher. Um, But we've been really careful because essentially like we're still able to run really long, hard tempos within the 90 mile a week range. Um, So we don't necessarily just want to add mileage on for the sake of mileage. Um, so yeah, we're kind of, we're still trying to find that balance for me as far as marathon training goes, I think. Um, but I mean, I think the hardest thing in my schedule has changed since we started working together. But within that first bit, I would have like an interval workout on a Tuesday. I'd have like an undulating hilly run on a Wednesday. I'd have a speed session Thursday I'd like take a break, I'd do a tempo, and then I'd do an up-tempo long run. Um, And it was just a lot. It was so different than what I had done. But I also started seeing results pretty quickly.
0: All right, friends. I want to break in real quick and share about the New York Roadrunners' next virtual race that's coming up. They have the free, it's free, New York Roadrunners Virtual Pride Run 5K powered by Strava you can sign up and be a part of the Pride Run June 22nd through June 30th. There are even some really awesome limited edition Pride sunglasses you can choose to check out and wear with Pride for your virtual race. So head over to nyrr.org slash virtualracing Lindsay and get signed up for the NYRR virtual Pride Run. I will be doing it myself and you can find me on Strava. I'm Lindsay Hine over there. All right, friends, and a message from my friend Sarah Bowen Shea from the Another Mother Runner podcast. If you aren't already listening and you're into running and you're into mom things, or maybe you're not into mom things, still go check out the podcast, Another Mother Runner. Here's my friend Sarah Bowen Shea. Hi, I'm Sarah Bowen Shea, host of the Another Mother Runner podcast. You don't need to be a mom to enjoy the Another Mother
1: Runner podcast. Each week, I'm joined by a co-host to gab a bit about life, then dive into a topic with a guest or two. Nutritionists, sports psychologists, coaches, and everyday women runners getting in their miles. Recent guests have included Shalane Flanagan, Kara Goucher, and Sarah and Ryan Hall. The interviews are conversational and easygoing, peppered with a lot of laughs. The Another Mother Runner podcast is like a best running friend who keeps the chit chat going even on the uphills. Listen to a new podcast of the Another Mother Runner podcast every week, or start off with a deep dive of our back
0: catalog. With nearly 400 previous episodes. Many happy miles. All right, let's get back to my conversation with Aaliyah Gray. So, when you ran in the trials in 2016 and you, the marathon trials, you got 10th. Um, what you were coming off of an injury, weren't you? Yeah, so I had actually that
1: winter, that November. I was doing some downhill work and I had stepped on a patch of ice and just like turned my ankle really quick.
0: Okay. And
1: it turns out that I had like a little hairline fracture in my fibula. And it was a really interesting scenario because a, this is, I'm going to preface this next part of the story by had it been like any other bone, we probably wouldn't have moved forward in this way, but the fibula is predominantly non-weight bearing so we could be a little bit more aggressive with rehab, um, and then B, the other constituent was that Olympic trials was in February, and if there's like a time to push and try to kind of take a couple chances, it's people usually do it around those Olympic cycles.
0: What? what um, how far in advance from the the race was the fall? Um,
1: so I twisted it in November, and okay. then we got we finally got the image in December. Like okay. it had just been nagging and. I had been training on it, but it wasn't going away. Um, but yeah, so essentially we got confirmation that I did have a fracture. It was small, but I did have a fracture in my fibula. And so I'm also very fortunate that my husband, Richie, is, has a private practice here in Boulder. And he has an Altergy treadmill. And so we moved 100% of my training to the Altergy immediately.
0: In December. Um, and the trials are yep. in February. Yep. Okay. Trials
1: were I I think they were February thirteenth. So yeah, I mean, and training had been going well at this point. So I went to the alter G with the confidence that I felt like I had a lot of really great fitness to back me, and I just kind of needed to do enough to keep fitness in a good place um, without losing too much and allowing the bone to heal.
0: Is his practice like a sports rehab practice? Like a is he? um, Is it big? Like what does his practice all do?
1: So he's a, so he's a DC, he's a sports chiropractor and he does strength training as well. And like ART and Graston and kinesio taping, all that good stuff.
0: Okay. Side note, chiropractor, do you get like adjusted and stuff? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I've always been so scared to do that. Cause I'm always afraid that like, if I get adjusted that, then I'll get like addicted to it or something. I don't know. No, no. I mean, it's really
1: nice, but honestly, for me, the soft tissue work has been the most, has been the most beneficial to ART.
0: And he does all that work on you. Yep.
1: Okay. Yeah. And, and on our team as well.
0: Okay. Okay. So that's crazy to me that you did so much of that last bit of training on the alter G and then you went and ran, um, you ran a PR, which is crazy because who runs a PR when it's like 112 degrees out? <laughs> um, but like when you go to run the trials, how much actual running not on the Altergy had you done leading into the race since you, you know, kind of got off the off the pavement? Um,
1: so, I mean, I'd have to look back at specifics, but I think I was I think I was on the Altergy probably like 95% of December. And then in January, we started to introduce some outside running just so that like my body would know what it felt like. Um, and I'll also preface this by, he obviously was like monitoring pain each day and stuff. And we even got imaging to like throughout this rehab process to make sure that even though we were on the G that the bone was still healing. Um, so we got confirmation from that and kept continuing forward I did run the Houston half marathon mid January going into trials. And that was one of my first like big tests outdoors. And I kind of blew up at the end there, but I still ended up PRing at Houston. And that's actually currently my half marathon PR. What is the PR? It, uh, 72:40. I want to say 47 or 48. Legit. Yeah. So it was again, like it was one of those feelings where I felt like my fitness was there. I felt like, the pounding on my legs from not being on solid ground for a couple months showed a little bit the last like four miles, but it gave me the confidence I, coming out of that pain-free gave me the confidence that like, okay, maybe I could pull this off. Like maybe I can actually run trials and do the full marathon
0: and yeah, to run, run that, decently. Yeah. That, I mean, that's so fast. That half is so fast. Now I wish that I would have known who you were then because, and I hope that this podcast, like, can help the casual like running fan get to know more people because it's so much more like it would have been so cool to know who you were and to be like oh my gosh Aaliyah got 10th place you know Um, (laughs) yeah so I'm hoping like I one of my hopes with this podcast is that like I can bring more names in front of people's eyes so they're not just cheering for like Dez and Shalane and you know like Molly Huddle but my question going into that is like when you were going into the trials, did you think 10th place is going to be like an a goal for me? Like, I think I could PR, even though it's supposed to be so hot. Um, what, tell me all of your thoughts going into this. Um, I
1: think my, I was running some really crazy workouts on the Altergy G and I knew that even at a slightly reduced body weight, that they were pretty fast. Um, and I think. This this sounds kind of funny, too, but you get used to feeling a certain way, like, you know, the certain levels of tired after different workouts. And I was still getting a lot of those same responses. Um, So I felt like I felt like I knew I was doing really good work, that there was just a little bit more of a blind spot going into the race. You know, I wasn't totally sure what it would pan out to, Um, but I was I was pretty confident that I could finish high up and top 10 was definitely a goal. Um, even though it felt kind of crazy to tell people that since I had, since I had been on, since I had been on the G for so long <laughs> going into it, but it was one of those, it's nice to have some of those goals that you hold a little closer to your, you know, a little closer to your heart for short periods of time. So I think it kind of felt like maybe I had a little bit of maybe going into it with that, it almost felt like a little secret that I was carrying. Like, yeah, I've been on the altergy, but people also don't know like what I've been able to do. It's been, you know, I think it's been pretty impressive. Um, so yeah, I would say top 10 was a goal time-wise. I think, gosh, I can't even remember. I want to say we were thinking of like 2:30 to 2:32, Um, but then that kind of went out the window when we saw what the weather was going to be.
0: Yeah. What did you run at the trials?
1: I ran 235 high, I want to say.
0: Okay. And your
1: PR is 234?
0: My PR is 234. Oh. Okay. Just flat? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> take it.
1: <laughs> I remember seeing the clock. That was from Chicago, 2017.
0: Oh, I, I know. I like, obviously, I run much slower than you. But I remember when I was chasing my uh, marathon PR, I, I was so close. I was eight seconds to going over to the next to the next minute and you just you really just want to get you just want to get just under because then if you're even at 59 you know it counts yeah yeah, it still counts counts. yeah um sure okay so let's I I just wanted to highlight the trials because um I have a feeling a good amount of people listening may not know about that and I think it's a really big deal that you got 10th place especially coming off all that but let's speed everybody up to um, you know, 2019, we're going into another trials year. Like what has been going on with your career in these past couple years and and what are your ultimately like what are your dreams? Oh man. Um, well so
1: 2016 like placing 10th at the trials and then I also had a huge PR on the track in the 10k like a couple months later. That year those were those were kind of like my coming out, I feel like, to the running world a little bit more competitively. Um, and those put me in a different echelon, like put me in a different conversation, I would say, than I had been in before. Like I had been competitive, but those performances, especially back-to-back solidified that like I belong on the competitive level. Um, so yeah. that was... What's the 10K bo- PR? Uh, 3159. Okay. So that was both really amazing and like a lot to take in at the same time and i think i was a little bit more zapped than i realized um so i ended up running chicago that year and it was super fun but i you know came up short of my time goals and if i'm being honest the last couple of years have been a little bit tough um last january i was diagnosed with a sacral stress fracture and that is a really long layoff and so Yeah, I've had, I had, like, a really high high in 2016, and now it's kind of been piecing together, like, how to make this, how to live, um, how to live and train in a way that's really healthy for me and, you know, a way that I can sustain as well.
0: So how are you, how are you doing that? Are you still figuring it out?
1: Yeah, I guess you're always figuring it out, but... I, um, you know, I came back from the sacral stress fracture last year and was able to run a couple races and same with this spring. I, I had another bout of bad luck. I actually went over to, I was getting in really good shape. I went over to Prague in April, um, to run a half marathon and I had an amazing time at the race, but there's a lot more cobblestone than I was expecting. And I ended up, ended up twisting a knee on the cobblestone it, during so, the race. Yeah, about uh, 5K to go. 5K to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it happens, though. And if anything, it just, like, exposed, okay, like, maybe I need to work on stability on this side. And, um, you know, there's always something new to learn about your body and the way that it operates best. And, yeah, I've been, there have been frustrating points. But ultimately, I'm really grateful that, you know, I have a body that's able to heal itself. And each little setback kind of unveils another part that will ultimately be able to make you stronger in the long run.
0: Where are you physically right now? So
1: we decided to kind of, after that, I was kind of back and forth trying to get back into training with the knee. So we decided to kind of scrap the spring season and just hit reset, make sure that we did a lot of really great strength work. And we're kind of turning our eyes towards like a fall marathon segment right now.
0: So do you plan to also do the trials then? right now that's the plan. Yeah. Are you, but I mean, we'll,
1: we'll see with the standard, with the new standard, um,
0: oh, that's right. situation
1: with IAAF, it does right. make things a little bit more interesting. Um, yes, yeah. So you have to
0: run a fall marathon. Yep. If we'll you wanna, te- so if you technically, want to, right.
1: Yeah. Technically I have, I've qualified for the trials, but if I, unless they make trials, a gold label race, if I, were to finish oh, in sure. the top 3 and have a day without the standard I wouldn't go.
0: That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah I've been talking about this a lot in in like when it first came out and then I kind of took a little little break so my brain kind of forgot about that deal. Yes, you've qualified. You can go, but you still have to do the 230 if you were to if you were to kill it out there on in in hilly Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so do you have like are you allowed to say what you're looking at for possibilities for your fall marathon if you run one? Oh,
1: not right now. <laughs> but I mean, there's there's only a handful. Right, um, right, right. I know that. I mean, I guess I, from what I know, talking to just the running community at large, um, for spectators, I think that it's going to be an awesome fall of marathon running because everyone is gunning for those times. So that's kind of the silver lining to this is that there are going to be some really tremendous races thrown down. I just know it's going to happen because it kind of has to. Um, so, yeah, I have kind of mixed feelings about the standard, but I also feel like I also feel like it's going to produce some really amazing races, and so I'm kind of excited to see those results roll in as well.
0: Yeah, so do you get nervous thinking about getting back in shape? Not that you're out of shape, but you know what I mean, to get into like really good marathon shape, or do you, does that excite you or both?
1: Oh gosh. I just miss it when I'm out of it. Um, I, I think that I never want to go. I like, I would never want to go into a marathon on a wing and a prayer if if you can like avoid it. And so I love putting in the mileage. I really love summer training too, which is what the training block is going into a fall marathon. So I'm actually really excited about this pivot because in Colorado, summer training here is just so much fun. Um, you get kind of the best weather.
0: Tell us about your running group, Roots Running, and training with that group. And do you guys have like people come visit to come do like altitude for a few weeks and all that? What does it look like out there? So we
1: started. So to take a couple steps back, when I started working with Coach V Hill that spring, I had, I PR'd by like 30 seconds in the 5K in one of my first races under him. Um, and after that, I got a little bit more attention and we got contacted by a couple of athletes who were just interested in coming out to Boulder and they were looking for training partners and wondering if, you know, we could kind of sync up and Richie has always loved coaching. And so it kind of ended up being a great fit. And so, um, that's how we got Mara Olsen moved out, but then eventually Noah Drotty that same year as well. And our group kind of built from there. Um, we do have people who drop in every once in a while. I think Richie just told me that he actually got an email last night about someone who's going to be in town for several weeks. Um, we had an athlete last year who was in town for like the full summer just to come train at altitude. I think the unique thing about Boulder is that it is, it's a beautiful place to live. Um, it's a really desirable place to train. And so, kind of feels like a destination running spot and I think you end up getting to interact with a lot of different personalities who at least want to come get a taste of it for themselves
0: do you run with the group or do you do your in your workouts individually uh I guess it depends on the day we have
1: generally we have a similar structure of like we'll generally be doing intervals on the same type of day long run on the same day um and like tempos but it just not, it just depends on where each person is at fitness wise, um, for what the assigned paces are, I would say.
0: But I'm just trying to picture this. Like, do you all show up in like some gravel parking lot and you're like, okay, Noah's going to go do 20 miles. I'm going to do 15 at tempo. And you just kind of like do your own thing and then meet back up. Or you just, I'm just, just trying to picture what it looks like.
1: Yeah, no. So I guess, Um, for long runs, we'll meet up and Rishi will generally drive a route with us to give us fluid along the way. And so that's where it makes it a little bit easier if someone's going longer or, for example, if someone's in marathon training, they're obviously going to be putting in more mileage than someone in 5k training. Um, so that's the car, the support car along the way helps because we can keep a similar route, but the person who's running shorter can hop in the back of the car when they're done. Um, so yeah, that's how we manage long run. Richie drinks a lot of coffee in the car, following <laughs> us around.
0: Okay, but he, he runs like really fast, trooper. right?
1: He has. So he used to. He used to actually pace me through most of my workouts okay. before we really started with the group.
0: So does he not do that anymore?
1: Not as much, but I've been like slowly kind of prodding him. So I think I think he's going to come back around.
0: What's? I don't want to take up too much time because I want to learn more about you, but. What's his story with running because obviously if he can pace you um you know you have like a what are you like fifteen twenty five is that your five k pr uh 35. Fifteen thirty five. Uh, yeah. okay so you can pace someone that can run a fifteen thirty five five k a two thirty four marathon like w- what's his background he has to be fast,
1: <laughs> yeah, so he ran in college um he ran at u c s d which is actually him in UCSD and Chico State were in the same conference too for a while, um, which just was a fun little, fun little note. But yeah, he ran in, he ran in college, loved running, um, never pursued it after, after college, but especially with going to medical school and stuff. But um, he just loves the sport, loves being around it has, you know, is kind of a, just crazy about sports in general, follows it really closely um and is just an active guy in general he's just really naturally athletic um like we joke around when we do weights and stuff he has the best form out of anyone in our group um yeah he's been he's been amazing to have around just as an individual and a partner but also as you know someone who can actually jump in and train with me and keep up
0: has he ever run a marathon he
1: has. He ran Boston with a friend of his. And gosh, I want to say they had to qualify somewhere. Okay. But essentially, he had a friend from college who had gotten really out of shape. And he had asked Richie to help him help pace him through a marathon to qualify for Boston so that they could do it together. Um, so yeah, he has done a marathon, but not, I don't think he's really like trained for a marathon. He's never
0: like raced, like, yeah, no. he's like put in the miles to like make sure he can run 26 miles. But yep. not. yeah, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about when you, when you guys moved when you moved there and, and you guys started dating, but where did you actually meet? Like, did you meet at like a run store, like run meetup or like, I'm just trying to picture that situation. How did you actually meet? Uh, like at a bar. <laughs>
1: Perfect. Um, it was more of. The running community is obviously pretty close knit, um, and some of his male running friends happened to meet up with some of my female running friends when we were out, and we kind of started talking there and
0: he ended up hitting you. it off pretty quickly. <laughs> he was eyeing you, and you were telling him I didn't. I didn't come out here for a boyfriend. Yeah, I didn't come out here for
1: a boyfriend. Independent woman. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it just things clicked really quickly, and uh, yeah, I just felt really fortunate
0: what's it like, you know, like you're married. I I mean, I know what my relationship with my husband was like, and I'd probably get like really irritated with him sometimes if he was my coach. And I do feel like I talked to quite a few female athletes whose husbands coach them. Yeah.
1: I would say even though Richie didn't end up coaching me from that first jumping off point, him being there to implement the training from V Hill, like he was essentially my coach mm-hmm. and That was, as far as a relationship goes, it's kind of like ripping off a big band aid of like, okay, you don't get to, not that you're trying to hide something, but I don't know. I feel like when you're at practice, you get the best and the worst of people at the very same time. Mm -hmm. Like you see how, you see how someone handles pain, how someone handles panic when things aren't going the way they want them to, um, it's just kind of like a crash course and like, okay, this is the way I react to stuff. This is, you know, <laughs> how I work through it. Um, so I think in a weird way, it could have been like a make or break moment, but it ended up like really bringing us together even more.
0: Okay. So we caught up to where you are now, like coming off a couple hard years. Um, what have you, what have you learned most coming off of just this crappy injuries and, and whatnot? Self-pity
1: is like more that just self-pity is really self-defeating. And I think the biggest, one of the biggest things I've tried to take away is if whenever I'm feeling frustrated about a current situation is just trying to figure out like, all right, am I, what are the productive things that I can do right now? And if I'm doing the productive things, that's, you know, that's all I can ask of myself. So I have a mantra that I've had since day one with coach Hill through really hard training and trying to hit splits that seemed out of my reach. And the mantra is just the best that you can. And it's the same through rehab too, you know, like sometimes you can't run and that's okay. It's your body's way of telling you that something's got to change. Um, but as long as you feel like you're taking the steps and, you know, calling the right people into your corner, that's all you can ask for.
0: I love that. I love the idea of saying the best that you can in a workout too. Just like when you kind of feel like giving up, just repeat it in your head, like be the best that you can right now.
1: Yeah. And it it has a weird way of holding for at least for me, at least it has a weird way of holding me accountable for kind of, it helps me assess pain in a different way, Mm -hmm. like workout pain in a different way. Um, where it's like, you are the only person deep down that knows if you've like given it everything. And so It's just having that check in like, all right, are you doing everything you can right now? If you are, cool. Even if the times aren't there, you know, that's all you can ask of yourself. But it's a really good, super quick checkpoint.
0: Have you, do you use that in races or has that, was that implemented later? No, I definitely use it. I mean,
1: I think whatever you end up using in practice translates over to races. Yeah, Uh, for sure.
0: I'm going to change to that, I think, because, you know, Coach Vihill, he doesn't realize that he's my coach too. <laughs> because, and this is a Dina thing, but when I interviewed her, I interviewed her like right before I ran my marathon PR and her big thing. And then, you know, since then I, she writes about it in her book as well. Have you read her book?
1: I have. I love it.
0: Yeah. So good. Um, her big thing is define yourself. And before my marathon PR, I wrote that on my arm really big and sharpie. I wrote define yourself. And so every time I would look down, like when I was giving myself that pity party in the last like six miles and I was in a lot of pain, I would repeat that to myself. So, but now I think whenever I get in shape to run a marathon, again, I'm going to change to be the best, best you can be. That's just best you can be. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, and for me, as far as like mantras go, or cues to kind of bring your mental state back to a better place. Um, they have to be so short and sweet, right? For it to work, like because by the time I just know by the time you're in pain, like about two words is all I can give. You know, best <laughs>
0: um, you can otherwise be. Uh-oh, that's too four. much.
1: Yeah, it's not like I breathe in strength and breathe <laughs> out weakness, and then I am like, no, that's not going to fly with me.
0: So two words. Best you <laughs> or- can be. Yeah, four words. It's good. Well, my next question was gonna be what's the biggest lesson he's taught you? Coach Vihel. Um man, that's a
1: good one. I think I think just holding yourself accountable, um, both in effort and an attitude. That's like the emphasis. I think every time I talk to him, we don't spend like hours on the phone, but generally when I hang up with him, I wanna say the last words out of his mouth are like just do the best that you can be positive in everything you do and be confident in everything you do. And it's kind of this thing over and over again. I don't even know if he realizes that he's like reiterating it to me at this point, but it's kind of just been nailed over, you know, like just try your best, be positive and be confident.
0: You know, I've had on my list to interview Jerry Schumacher, which I doubt I'll ever get the opportunity (laughs) to do interviews, but like, I almost think I want to interview coach V Hill more than I want to interview Jerry especially cuz he's 90 like I may have like 40 more years to be able to interview Jerry I don't think coach V Hill I've got 40 more years to so try to get an interview with him
1: Oh he loves talking he loves he just loves talking running I think that's like that's also the other part about working with him that's been really that's been really inspiring is that If he's 90 years old and not retired, you know that he's doing it purely out of love. Oh, yeah. He doesn't need to be doing this right now. No, no.
0: Oh, that's (laughs) so good. Okay. So did you tell us what your biggest dreams are yet? I feel like I asked three questions in one and we didn't, we weren't able to get to that. No, I mean,
1: so running wise, gosh, I mean, I still, I haven't made like a US team and I feel like I'm kind of. I've been within like the top 10 realm a lot. Um, I finished 10th at Chicago in 2016. I was eighth at Chicago in 2017. Um, at most like us championships, I want to say I'm usually within the top 10. And so I would just, I'd love to make a us team eventually. I mean, obviously like Olympics are amazing. Um, but we have, we have such a deep roster of women right now in the U S which is pretty incredible. Um, so yeah, a U.S. team down the road would be super great. And then another one that's not quite so limited would just be—I would love to run all the all of the world major marathons at some point. I want to work my way through
0: them. And right now, Chicago is the one that you've done, right?
1: <laughs> I've done Chicago, and then I did New York
0: oh, a while New York, ago. That's right. Yeah. Um. Do you want to run Boston like soon? I Absolutely. Mean, obviously, okay. I mean, obviously, well, it's on the list, but yeah. I mean,
1: Boston depends on. Boston kind of depends on my performances and some other races leading into it. So I want to run Boston, but when I'm ready for Boston, if that makes sense.
0: Are you a person who favors hilly courses? I think I'm a person
1: who favors tougher conditions when mm-hmm. it comes to placement. Um, mm-hmm. Which is why I think I, I fared pretty well at the trials in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, I, I think that we would definitely do some very specific training for Boston. Like, I know everyone does. Um, but I think that it would be a really fun mental challenge for someone like me.
0: So you're saying you wish you could have unleashed that dragon in 2017 in Boston. <sighs> oh, man. Or was it was in 2018. Sorry, I'm saying it wrong. 2018. Yeah, 2018. This, yeah, because this is 2019. No, I don't, I don't I know I always ask that. people that. I'm always like, I'm always wondering. I'm like, oh, man, like, you know, people who maybe don't think they normally would place in the top three and just like what happened in 2018. I'm like, do you kind of wish you would have been out there?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. No. I mean, honestly, it was such a crazy year that it was also super fun to watch that year. Yeah,
0: that's totally true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're a writer too and you don't really have like a big sponsor like a Saucony or a New Balance or – anything like that. Tell me what that looks like. Do you want one? Is it just not happening? Do you prefer to do your own thing and write? I, this might be a stupid question, but I'm curious.
1: No. So I mean, going back again, I graduated with PRs that made me competitive at the D2 level. And I was an all American at D2, um, and was really proud of those accomplishments, but by no means did I have sponsors knocking at my door. Um, And not to go down too far of a rabbit hole, but support in this sport is pretty hard to come by unless you're a little bit more of a superstar or have performed at a pretty high level coming out of college. So I think for someone like me where I, I felt like I was in this in between where I wasn't good enough to be sponsored. um, But I also knew that I had a lot to give to the sport. And so it was just figuring out a way to piece together life (laughs) to make it happen. And That's what led me to freelance writing. And I do really love freelance writing and it's the career that I want to have after my competitive days are done. So I think that that's been a really great outlet both to help keep me afloat financially um, and just knowing that like you can't be a super competitive runner for your entire life. So it helps give me a little bit of just like life security as well. (laughs) I would absolutely welcome and love more support from running Right now, I'm not necessarily expecting it. it. It does take a lot at this point to land a sponsorship. Um, but I've been able to make it a little bit on the roads as a distance runner. I'm lucky that there are some viable options there. But that's also very dependent on being healthy and fit on the day, obviously.
0: Totally. Yeah. Um, when you talk about writing in the freelance world, like who are you writing for and what kind of things are you writing so for the most part, since I've been trying to,
1: you know, make money in writing, um, I've worked with a lot of ad agencies doing copywriting. So that's ad copy, social media copy. Um, I'll write for websites. And right now I'm actually working for working part time for a virtual agency out of New York. Um, so that's been a really great fit. Where There's like 15 of us based across the country, and I do social media work for them largely and some blog writing as well. Uh, More recently, I've been trying to get into some more article writing. I just did one article in Runner's World a couple months ago. That was both in print and online, and that was super fun. And then I'm also working on a piece for Women's Running right now. So that's I'm way more new to the article writing world than I am to the ad and copywriting. Uh, but I'm kind of looking to grow in that area.
0: Um, and then, and back to the sponsor thing, like what, what would that take? Like breaking 230, like, I mean, or, you know, like you said, um, placing higher and some of the bigger measures, like, what do you think you would physically have to do at a race for a, a sponsor to say, hey, we want to work with you?
1: Gosh, at this point I don't know, <laughs> honestly.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, the sponsorship market has changed a lot. I'm and I'm really lucky that I do have an agent I'm working with. So I feel like if I wasn't a I was in a position to to deserve a sponsorship, I feel like he would be, you know, fighting on my behalf for that. Um Who's but yeah, agent? right now it's I work with Josh Cox. Okay. And I started working with him in twenty sixteen. Um so he's been he's been really great and has like helped educate me and open my eyes to the world of like how to make this all work um at this point i don't know i think sponsorship a lot of times is a combination of like age and what you've done in the past um investment in the future a lot of from what i understand i think some sponsors go on olympic year cycles and how they and how they divvy it out um and it's just like These companies have, you know, a set budget for sponsored athletes, too. So to a certain extent, once they've spent their budget, they've spent it. Um, So, yeah, I'm not quite sure. I've just decided the healthier thing for me instead of holding out to become sponsored is, you know, to pursue writing and make sure that I'm financially stable with writing so that I don't have to, like, stress about absolutely getting a sponsor. That's kind of been my approach with it.
0: I think that's really smart and and it sounds really balanced. I mean, I know that you're running like such big weeks and like you need all the rest you can get and then, and that balance of being a professional runner and being able to get all your rest and all the non-running related work in like all the like therapy and strength and all that stuff and to write is, I know it's a lot. My husband and I, my husband always jokes with me when I interview professional runners because he's like, they're not doing anything. Like when they're not running and getting their rehab, they're just laying around. And I'm like, well, Aaliyah Gray is writing. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely challenging, but I also,
1: I also have been like really proud that I've been able to, that I've been able to create a career for myself and especially a career that isn't a desk job. Um, You know, that's, that's been a huge journey too. And I've been doing that for seven years. And so, I've learned a lot along the way, and that's been super character building as well. Um, I think everyone has a different path and how they're able to piece it together, and this has
0: just been mine,
1: you know? I'm really
0: proud of it. (laughs) I think it's awesome. I'm going to make a push for you to post more on Instagram, though, because I was trying to stop (laughs) for this interview, and I was like, girlfriend hasn't posted on Instagram since like April. (laughs) I know. I know. I do need to get better.
1: And that is part of the sponsorship. Oh, sure. Thing
0: too. <laughs> right? Totally. Like, they love that stuff. All right, Aaliyah. Uh, you're, I know you're all, we're going to do end of the podcast, but I know you're also really into music and food. Tell me your top three favorite bands.
1: Oh, my gosh. Top that's a
0: three. F- big question. Oh, that's so
1: much pressure. I know. Um, I'm just going to do top three right now. Okay. So, sure. Nathaniel Ratliff um i'm also going to say born ruffians and i'll throw a dr dog in there
0: okay i don't know Um, who any of those people are
1: oh my gosh they're all super fun and upbeat so you're gonna have to go look them up
0: okay i'm going to i'm I'm gonna put their spotify radio on definitely do you do you guys like to go to live shows
1: we do. And we also have Red Rocks here in Colorado, which <gasps> yes, is you do. super iconic. And so we try to make a push to at least get to one one of those shows per summer. So okay. we don't have one yet, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, I've never been. I've been there. Like when I, I went to Denver one time and we just made the trip over to see the Red Rocks, but I've never been to a show there. But whenever I see people's pictures there, I get really jealous. Yeah, they're pretty special. So... I always put out like my what I want to do on this podcast cuz I'm like if I say it on the podcast maybe it'll happen. One of the things I want to do <laughs> is come to Boulder and do like a series of podcast interviews just on like boulder runners just because I think there's so many great people out there like you. Um so, if I ever do that, maybe in the next year, we'll have to meet up and listen to good music and have some coffee. Totally, let's make it happen. Yes, it's it's on my list for things to happen in the next 12 months. So, I mean, Edna Kippel got moved out to Boulder. So I was like, okay, she's on the list.
1: Totally. Yeah. Well, keep me updated. I'll, I'll check in with you too and keep you honest.
0: I will for sure. Okay. Uh, Aaliyah, what is one thing professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet?
1: Um, both the running the majors and then I do want to get more into article writing as well. That's been really fun in a whole different world.
0: What is an accomplishment you're most proud of?
1: Uh, I'm still here. You know, I I don't have a sponsor, but I'm still able to make it work. And I think that this is a sport of attrition in a lot of ways. A lot of people can't figure out how to continue doing it for a while. And I think I'm like, in this place where I'm kind of entering marathoning prime, and I'm stoked to see what that holds.
0: And I'm glad that we've like talked about that because I think it's an important conversation to have talking with someone competing at your level who actually isn't sponsored, but is like still pursuing this dream hard. Yeah, definitely. Who is someone fun, motivating, or inspiring? You'd like to have coffee, cocktail, or tea. And which drink would you choose?
1: Oh, well, I mean, coffee if it's the morning, but definitely (laughs) cocktail if it's, if we're like past 5.00 PM. Um (laughs) Post double, post yes. double run, of course. So um, I don't know. i I feel like I just love Bill Murray. I think he's like so crazy and
0: quirky and just a bizarre
1: addition to this world. He would be really enlightening to
0: chat with. That's a fun answer. I like that. Yeah. What's the best, most recent book you've read?
1: Uh, The Push by Tommy Caldwell. Oh, okay. The, I've never the, heard the of Climber. Um, he was, so Tommy Caldwell, along with Kevin Jorgensen was, he was one of the ones that climbed the Dawn wall for the first time in Yosemite.
0: Okay. What's the book called again? The Push. The Push. Okay. Um, do you have a favorite nonprofit you like to support? I'm bringing this question back. I took it out for a while.
1: Um, so I, especially we're about a week removed from the passing of Gabe Grunwald. And I feel like I'd be really remiss not to mention the Brave Like Gabe Foundation um, and just the incredible legacy that she's leaving behind and that she's built that extends so far beyond running. It's truly like the most awe-inspiring stuff for me. It like fills up my heart and breaks it at the same time.
0: <laughs> I know. I, I, I can't stop thinking about her. It's it's so, so sad, but what she's done throughout it is is incredible. Yeah. This running community has been so deeply affected, too. I mean, I didn't know Gabe, but just like the outpour of love and support from tons of people who didn't know her, thousands of people, is just crazy.
1: Yeah. I think, and I think the like, the positive out of this like incredibly difficult situation is just that you see like how many good people are out there and how many people want to help. And, the ways that people can show up for each other. And that's, that is what's really special about and what was really special about her and what's super special about the foundation that we'll keep living on for her as well.
0: And on that note, what's one message you'd like to send to the world?
1: Um, Just start each day fresh, you know, begin where you are. That's all you
0: can do. Start each day fresh. Are you a morning person? Goodness. No, <laughs> only with coffee. <laughs> I keep seeing some people saying I'm not a morning person or a night person. I don't know what that makes me, but it makes you a distance runner. You're just tired. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Like I want to go to bed by nine, but I also don't want to get up before six. So I don't know what that makes me, but (laughs) I mean, you have
1: to be a little bit more of a morning person with running. So I've definitely learned
0: to like the morning a little
1: bit more, but yeah, coffee helps me along.
0: Yeah, one of my biggest dreams is to be one of those people that can just get up and like be happy and not need like, I literally need like a good two hours from wake to till when I'm like ready to like actually face people. And it's just like, that's <laughs> not a reality for me because my kids are in my face like five minutes after I wake
1: up. Oh man, I gotta I figure this out
0: though. Like, I gotta figure it out because this is life this is what we do. So yeah, um, I got to turn this, uh, turn this around so that I'm a more fresh, happy person in the morning. Any, anybody <laughs> who has suggestions, feel free to send me an Instagram DM and let me know your your thoughts. <laughs> um, all right, Aaliyah. Well, this was fun. I loved getting to know you more. Yeah, thanks for getting in touch. This is great. Help us know you more and post more on Instagram. I'm going to start rallying okay. for that. <laughs> okay, I'll tag you. <laughs> Please do. And um, good luck getting back into uh, In Shape. And I can't wait to see what marathon you decide to run in the fall. Thanks. I'm, I'm excited too. Should be a good time. Woohoo! Okay, thanks, Aaliyah. You got it. Bye. You later. Bye. All right, friends, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Aaliyah, for coming on the show, sharing your story. I love getting to know you, and I really hope we can hang out in Boulder one day. You guys, if you are looking for some new fueling performance products, check out Generation You Can. Go to generationyoucan.com slash another and use the code another19. Don't forget to check out the three-day, the3day.org, to join the fight against breast cancer. And lastly, get in on this New York Roadrunners Virtual Pride Run 5K. You can sign up at nyrr.org slash virtualracing slash lindsay, and it's free. Anywhere from June 22nd to June 30th, you can take part. You guys can find me on social media. I'm lindsayhine626 on Instagram. I'm at lindsayhine on Twitter and um, I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hein on Facebook where we have a group as well. We'd love to have you join us over there. Thanks so much for being here. If you loved the show, share it with a friend, tell your running group, whatever, throw it up on your stories. Any kind of sharing is super helpful and organic in growing this audience. And I hope these conversations are filling you up like they're filling me up when I have them. Thanks again. Also, by the way, for dealing with my voice last week that I could barely talk and it's totally back now. So we should be all good to go. All right, everybody have a really great Friday. Have a great rest of your weekend. And as always, I will see you next Friday.